This is the Ray Lowe Show. We on. Hey y'all, what's going on? What is going on? What is going on? It has been such a long, long, long time um, since we recorded anything, put any new episodes out. We started the podcast in 2017, but we're back and better than ever. Ooh, season ooh. two, Art of the Funny Girl, season two, episode one. It's been a journey, ooh. but I'm so glad that we decided to bring this back. Um, yes. And we're looking forward to sharing, you know, where we've been with you guys and all our new endeavors, you know, in the future. Um, so we're going to start this episode off. Episode one, season two. And, and the episode is titled The Art of Resilience. Yes. Okay. Because it's okay. been a journey, like I said. Yes, it has been. And you know what? Um, a lot of you all who follow us on social media and just know us personally, you know the story that... Um, we are about to discuss, you know, our journey and where we've been and have been keeping up with us. So first and foremost, we want to say thank you to our loyal yes. um, supporters and listeners, our family and friends who um, have supported our podcast since day one yes. and have just been pushing us and propelling us to get back out there and put more stuff out because we needed that. We needed that encouragement, especially after such a trying time. So thank you guys. We checked the insights the other day and it was like some new listeners. We had like a thousand new listens on the old episode. So we really appreciate that. Really, really grateful. And yeah, let's get into it. The art of resilience, the art of resilience, period. Um, so Raina Ford. Yeah, I, I guess I'm for kick it off. Raina, it's called Raina Ford. Let me tell you something. Our entire lives, <laughs> my, my nickname, nickname with this girl has changed so many times. I can't keep up. Raina Ford. I call everybody everything. Um, I'm so excited to, to share. First of all, just briefly, briefly, briefly. Um, no, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, let's get into the material. Let's get into it, baby. Well, the reason why we decided to titled this episode, The Art of Resilience, is because um, in the three and a half years since our last episode, um, a lot of things have transpired, um, including yes. a major event, which was the passing of our dad, who was one of our top inspirations for yes. why we even started right. the podcast in the first place. And um, if a lot of you guys remember our first photo shoot and things that we did in the beginning of the podcast, he was the one who took those pictures for us. Yes, and, and, you at know, his he, house, <laughs> he was very involved was, and very invested in, you know, what we were doing. He started off in radio um, at WBRU in Rhode yes. Island. And so we kind of always took after him when it came to, like, media and the arts. Um, so obviously when he initially got sick and then with his passing – it really put a monkey wrench in, you know, what we were doing with the podcast, as mm -hmm. well as our lives. You know, the podcast was just like a casualty that kind of happened along the way. Yeah. Um, so we started the podcast originally in 2017. And um, our dad was, um, he fell sick in 2018. And he was actually diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, um, in 2018. After being in the hospital for 37 days, he was yeah. there 37 days straight just trying to figure out what was going on with him um, running. The doctors were running tests after tests. 
Um, and that led to them determining that he had ALS of Gehrig's disease. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. It's actually the sister disease to multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And it is a neurodegenerative disease that basically eats away at the nerves in your body. So it impairs the way you talk, the way you walk. Everything. Your muscles and um, your nerves. And everything. You need your muscles and, and your nerves to do everything, including yeah. breathing, swallowing, using the restroom, like you name it. Everything. So it your, was your whole quality of life just diminishes. Major decline. And we we moved in together. We all moved in together to take care of him um, in one house. And it was very challenging. It was a very aggressive, it's a very aggressive disease. And it's something that you don't wish on your worst enemy. Um you know, a lot of people talk about cancer and stuff like that. And cancer is very serious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But ALS is so terminal and it's so they don't know what causes it and they don't know what cures it. And so it's hard to even navigate because you don't know Where what, to, what to expect, yeah. you know. And so it came out of nowhere. And um, it was something that we had to really just jump into. It took over our lives. And yeah, so... Unfortunately, he was diagnosed in 2018. Seven months later, in 2019, he actually passed away on St. Patrick's Day. Um, and, yeah, it was... Uh, just even thinking about it... I don't think it, we realized like nuts. the gravity or, like, what actually happened until a- after it happened. Right. And that's, like, that was the craziness about it because everything was happening so fast and there were so many layers involved. Yeah. And like taking care of him, you know, dealing with uh, other family members. Yeah. Trying to work out, you know, us as a, an immediate family, our, our two other sisters and our mom, you know, how we were going to go about merging our lives together under one roof to take care of him and also yeah. balancing, you know, all my sisters have kids, balancing their their kids, their lives, work. So it was a lot to think about and a lot to navigate that it wasn't until after he passed and when the dust was kind of settling a little bit that we were like, what the heck yeah. just happened? It was like a processing. It's been almost three years and I feel like I've just now mentally processed this, like all aspects of it. And also the fact that like grief is very much a journey. It's a journey that is continuous and it's not just like, you know, one day you're good and then the rest of your life, you know, it, it's, it flip flops from being good to not good to, you know, uh, bad, you got bad dreams and then you're trying to, you know, just recover your life. And so um, it's just been a, a great time to take a moment and debrief what yeah. ha- what happened um, from sickness to diagnosis to passing. And you it, know, you know, and it's so. still surreal. And I don't think, mm-hmm, you know, very much so. we just had a conversation a couple of days ago, but I also talked to my mom over the phone and, you know, we were just saying, I don't think we'll ever get to a place where it's like, okay, that happened. He's mm-hmm. gone. Almost every other month. We're like, no, that yeah. didn't, nah, that didn't happen for real. Because yeah. if you ever experienced my dad or even have heard us talk about him, um, he was a big personality yeah larger than larger than life and you Mm -hmm. know he was he had his ways you know what i'm saying he was from up north and he was a man's man (laughs) and so he had his ways about him but if you ever were in a room with him you knew he was there he made sure that he spoke to everybody this is is what he would do he he would even when he was in the hospital he would see somebody like a random nurse or something. He'd be like, "What's going on, movie star? How you yep, doing, that was movie his line. star? This and that." Everybody was movie star. He go to the McDonald's, 
movie style. No, he go to McDonald's and said, I want a cheeseburger <laughs> medium well. I'm like, we're Sir, at McDonald's. How you want a medium well <laughs> like, cheeseburger? They're going to give you like, whatever they got. He'd be like, um, throw some extra pickles on there, some extra mayonnaise. Make sure it's well coated. I'm like, I know them folks is like, boy, you're going to get what you're going to get and keep it pushing. Get out the line. Get out the line. Get out the line. But, but that's yeah. just, just how he was. So, yeah. you know, him not being here anymore, it's a loss that's felt. Not that if, if he was, had another personality, it wouldn't be felt because he was still our father. But it's definitely a loss that's felt yeah. like... Every day. Because every it, day. Because he was just... He was just one of those people you you don't meet on the, you don't meet every day yeah. you know and so he has left an imprint on pretty much everybody he's ever met and I and there's people that I've talked to that have worked with him and stuff and they're like man like Kevin never met a stranger that's just how he was like he never met a stranger everybody he was always uh, having conversations with people yep. at the bank at the store at the Waffle House that's just how he was and so very grateful that we kind of inherited that. Um, that spirit in, yeah. and inherited the way that he approached life. And, you know, he, he instilled so much. He was always knacking and tacking. Oh was always God. a lot of knacking and tacking. And so I got it from Safari. On, uh, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is knacking? He said, I was, can, I was going with it, but I'm like, what the heck? I've never done before. I can already tell there's a lot of knacking and tacking <laughs> behind my back. I said, no, knacking and tacking. That must be some Jamaican stuff, but I liked it. Oh, you never so, heard that before. But he, he definitely, um, he definitely, definitely, definitely um, was always just making his presence known and always imparting his wisdom in yeah. everyone, and, yeah. including us. So we just wanted to... He had to, a lot of good advice, you mm-hmm. know, like, and we find ourselves in situations, as you do, navigating throughout life and just figuring things out. And, you know, our mom, she's very caring and she's always there for you, but she's more of, like, an action person. Like, mm-hmm. if you need her to step in for you, to show she, up for loyal. you... She's loyal. She'll, very, she, she'll back you up. She, her love language is... is I'll be there. I'll be there. there. And you can always come to my house and you can always (laughs) cry on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Or if you need me to watch the kids, if you need me to, you know, whatever. She'll be there for you. She'll always be there for you. My dad was more so he's going to give you like word nuggets. But his was action hand words because he was the type of person that like you can call him in the middle of the night and he's going to answer the phone. Yeah. And there's been plenty of times that I've. I would be somewhere that I probably wasn't supposed to be at, and yeah. he would, and I would call him, and I know that he would answer the phone. It doesn't matter if it was midnight, one a.m., whatever. So he was like both, and those type of people are just irreplaceable, especially if it's your parent. Yeah, and it really just taught me a lot about, um, you know, unconditional love and parenthood. Even even loving him back because he was very hardcore, you know, very hardcore. Yeah, very... like I said, if you met him. You'll be able yeah. to receive like everything we're saying. Like he was a phenomenal person, a phenomenal dad, mm-hmm. and he loved us in the way that he knew how. But you know, it was it, it's challenging when you have five daughters and you're mm-hmm. the only man in the house. You have a wife, so there definitely were you. You don't have the maturity when you're a child to really accept your parents, like mm-hmm. understanding that they're not just your parents, but they like are people, people too. too yeah. And they have they lived a life and they've had traumas and they've had experiences and they've loved and they've lost. Mm-hmm. You can't take all that in. You're just like, uh, this guy's getting on my nerves. <laughs> so He's driving me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but like now, you know, yeah. The, the one blessing that I can say, not a blessing that he's gone, but it's given, 
like a reprieve to be able to look back on him and his life and the way that he tried to parent and the way that he tried Mm -hmm. to love us. And now you can take a step back and appreciate it and understand him. Like I understand him a lot more. Hindsight is definitely 2020. For sure. sure. And I feel like I understand him a lot more um, in his death than I really did in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so, not to cut you off. No, you're good. Because I totally agree. In in naming this episode The Art of Resilience, definitely want to talk about the people that really made it possible for us to get through that season when we were moving into that house. Uh, first of all, um, definitely, like you said, our mom, who for was just the sure. anchor, oh the God. rock. You know, black mamas, We there's something to be said about black mamas. Everybody's mama is cool, but black mamas specifically are really like the ones that are the backbone and that keep the children keep the house you know our mom is so strong sometimes that it's like it's it's like stoic it's like yo it's, it's like she really real? holds a lot of stuff in you know our, mm-hmm. our mom is from the island you know she really has n- virtually no family in the united states besides us and and when my but dad she, was here mm-hmm. so it's like i don't think i could have done that you right know? and that's the thing and she was very instrumental in she was very instrumental in figuring out what was wrong with him because she worked at the hospital and still works at the hospital that our dad was in. And so she was really advocating for him, um, which I admire. And I know we all really admire that she was like, Hey, you know, this is my husband and he's ill and you all need to figure out what's going on with him. Because, you know, sometimes when you go to the hospital and stuff, they try to play you like when when you're trying to tell them what's wrong with you, they kind of dis- they're kind of dismissive. Yeah. And so they were being a little bit dismissive because on the physical, you couldn't really tell what was wrong with my dad. So they were trying to they were just playing scootball head game. They I'm kept telling us he had is. something called spinal stenosis, Ciao. which they kind of just made it seem like, oh, he was in the military at one point. He played sports. He probably right. messed up his back and worst comes to worst, he's going to have to have some type of back surgery and the hold they said up, the back surgery, hip surgery. It yeah. Was so but, but our dad could not get in that doggone MRI machine. I was not and, getting in there. Let me just let the minutes reflect. He couldn't do it. They, they told me recently that I was going to have to get, um, well, they said they didn't know if I had to get an MRI or a CAT scan. And I was like, if it's an MRI, I'm a flat out tell y'all I'm not doing it. Period. I'm not doing it because it's like a casket. It's like a casket. I've done I've done an MRI it. twice, mm. and the last time I did the MRI was I was last that. year, and it was for 45 minutes. And um, in the you were in the thing in the in the not only was I in the thing, but it was a brain MRI. So they had my head in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> they had my head in a cage, and then once they put my head in, in the cage outside the machine, then they. Then it uh, put me inside the machine. So my head was in a cage in this thing. The thing, the thing about cage is really <laughs> It was. It was, this, like, it was a white cage. This, and like, it was astronaut. screwed. It was screwed <laughs> on the side. And the, lady had, funny, the lady had the nerve to give me a button. It was like, you know, if you start to panic or something. It was like, like a panic button? Yeah, she was like, you can press this button. We'll Baby, I would have been in there like, <laughs> let me out, please. Let me out. Let me out. So, uh. The only thing about that was the only way I got through it was I had to just keep my eyes closed. Mm -hmm, The entire 45 mm -hmm. minutes, I did not open my eyes. And Mm -hmm. honestly, um, initially when I was waiting for the machine to start, I had the most anxiety then. Mm -hmm. But once the the machine started and it started making like a buzzing noise, 
I don't know. For some reason, that was more calming to me. Yeah, because it's probably like the white noise. silence. Yeah, the silence, the silence was like, like oh silence my god! I was like this on the button. Like I'm finna, I'm, I'm about to press the button. It's giving silence of the lambs. Y'all have to forgive me. I have to. Um, if y'all hear me sniffling on here, you know it's that season where it's, everybody it is got that, a sniffle. That, and I'm trying so hard, y'all. I promise. But yeah. So anyway, I wanted to jump into um, how you know. You, this whole our whole podcast is the art of the funny girl and what we've learned throughout our life is to take really traumatic um events or just things that are not that pleasant and try to find the silver lining and try to kind of um throw some humor in there because yeah. there's always something you could look back on and be like you know what that was kind of funny and so with that being said um definitely when we went when we had <laughs> when we had our dad's funeral Okay, this ties into the podcast for sure. We were, like I said, we had just kicked off the podcast in 2017. So it was, you know, a lot of our family members and people all over had been listening to us. Thank you. Thank you. And when we were at the funeral, first of all, the funeral was in Rhode Island, which is where my dad was born and raised and where we're from. So we had to fly up there for the funeral. Mm -hmm. And. We don't. We haven't lived in Rhode Island since 2001. We've been in in Atlanta. Yeah, it's definitely so. Seven and eight. We know our close family members, but there were a lot of people at the funeral that we have never met before, never seen them. Don't before. know us. Don't care to know us. Yeah, it, and so okay. that's kind of the environment where we were walking into, almost like we were the guests. Like, yeah, it, it was, was very. Mm, let's pause yeah. to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the funeral was not. It was very much. It was very traumatic, and it didn't allow yeah. us to like grieve. No. Not at all. At all. And I, I, w- I say that, um, you know, I, looking back on it, I thank God for growth and being able to reflect on that particular time. But I definitely felt like we were like strangers in our own dad's funeral. It was bad. And it just felt like, you know, everybody, like we're all a community. We know Kevin and we knew Kevin. And it's like, yeah. oh, these are his kids over here. Yeah, when in it, actuality, it was, it was our dad has lived in Atlanta for 20 some odd years and had a whole life here and was a part of a church here and, you know, raised us here. So in actuality, it's like, no, you haven't seen him since he was like 21 years old. Yeah. You know? Cut it. So it just made us feel like strangers. Um, it, it was it was and- so bad that we didn't have the opportunity to go to our dad's repass. To this day, neither Laurel or myself have seen my dad's headstone, grave, or anything like that. I actually so. choose not. I mean, I'm I'm still a flight attendant, so I, I definitely fly and everything. But I've chosen not to go there mm-hmm. for a particular reason because it's so triggering. I think going there in general is very triggering. Um, and also just seeing his stone to me is very like final and I'm not really ready to do to, to like right. lay hands and lay eyes on it. So I'm just like, OK, I'll leave that. For a different time, but I will say that Jace often asks. She's like, "We need to go put pop flowers at Papa's grave, mommy." Yeah, and so she's to have you, it's, it's come on, yeah, it's to, for tell, healing. to tell an eight year old, see an eight year old telling you that you're like, "Okay, wait a minute." Right. But um, so we're at the funeral and <laughs> we have the receiving line. You know, when you when you're part of the family, people come down, people come down and, and sorry for your loss. Yeah, and this guy comes up to us, and I remember him briefly from our childhood because he's one of our. I've never seen that man before in my life. <laughs> know him son never, you know him never he comes down the receiving line and he's like um he's hugging us and everything he kind of kneels down so i'm thinking okay what is he about to be like you know i'm here for y'all if if y'all going through da, da, da. and he comes <laughs> to me and Lindsay, and we're standing there side by side and he's like 
hey, aren't you guys the ones that got the podcast? Um, I'm managing this new artist, and I'm thinking like, my daughter, come. um, ah. my daughter's trying to get into the entertainment industry. He said he managing a we new were like, artist, boy, and he, he want the artist to come be on. Going. He he said I'm managing a new artist, and I want him to come be on y'all's podcast because you know I heard that. <sighs> We could not believe I, it. First of all, uh, Greg, Laurel's husband, <laughs> he was beyond upset. He was like, "What in the world is Greg was is like, getting into this guy?" First of all, my 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 sweet husband, he didn't even. He this was his first time in Rhode Island. First of all, first time meeting everybody in my family, and we'll get into this later. But we had just gotten engaged. We got engaged a week before my dad passed away. So imagine we just got engaged. And the first time he's meeting the rest of my family is at my dad's funeral. So very not, it, it was not the circumstance that you want to meet any, you know, exactly. of your wife, your future wife's family exactly. members. But then to see this one over here come and talking about, can I put, put him on It was the most absurd My husband was looking like thing. And we just was like, first of all, <laughs> you're holding up the line. Because mind you, it's... You're holding it's, up the line. The whole That's, church is lined start, up waiting there. to come and give their condolences. Mm. And you got on your knees trying to whisper... <laughs> I'm like, because you're whispering because you know that you're out of pocket. And that's why when say it people are whispering, say it out loud, then. that's when you know you're out of bounds. We were just I'm like, like, my mom was like, what did he just say? And then, couldn't, couldn't hand even, to God, couldn't even get into this it. lady, oh. I don't know if you remember this. Now, what you about to say? <laughs> I don't know if you remember this yeah. because this was at the wake. This was the day before. This wasn't at the funeral. A lot of this is a blur to me. I only remember. Yeah. Lorelle was 38 high. I don't think she even. I'm talking about, I saw black and red the whole wake to funeral to leaving the Rhode Island. So Listen, but this was mm-hmm. at the wake. This lady um, came up to mom and was whispering in, in mom's ear. She ain't on the mom. Yeah, and the, and the whole time she's whispering in mom's ear, I see mom's face, like her eyebrows doing. So I'm like, what is this lady saying to her? Girl. So when she got done, I was like, mom, what was that about? She was like, girl. She was like, this lady said that um, she she went to college with your dad and how all, all the girls liked him and he was such a good kisser. No, 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 no. Yes. No. I said, what? She was like, yeah, that... You're That's what she said in my ear. Lying. I said, Ma, no, she didn't. She was like, Yes, she did. He was yes, such a she, good kisser. Yes. That makes me want like, to vomit. She was like, all, all the girls, um That makes me want to vomit like right man, now. Man, we are at the wake. My daddy right up. But first of all, he right down. <laughs> my daddy right up. This is my mama. Like, what are you talking about? You have no respect. But she, basically, she was basically telling her, like, oh, you lucked out. Like, you you became Kevin's wife because. I would, yo, I'm so glad, glad that Mom that was like, yo, was I'm ready to go. That was not shared with me because what are you talking about? Yeah, like, ask mom about it. Yep. I'm definitely going to have to get, I'm going to have to get the, the. Cliff people are crazy. Because what? It's almost like people don't you're know nasty. what to say. I would, ma'am, you're. <laughs> If you're listening and watching, I hope someone shares this with you. Like she's gonna jump in the casket with him right there and try to kiss him. Like, what's going on? And you need to cut it out. That is really ridiculous. So, yeah, it was just a very interesting time. And so I would encourage anybody that's going through a hard time. And I know several people um, who have reached out to me who their parent is currently experiencing ALS. And I, and I, man, my heart goes out to them. My heart is just with you. Um, But definitely appreciate the time that you have with that person, with your parent or whomever it is. Um, because 
looking back on it, it was such a crazy nutso time. Like I just felt out of my mind and out of my body. It's one of those things the entire time that you like know? in just piggybacking on what you're saying, mm-hmm. like really um, treasuring the time you have when they can like speak and stuff. Like when Correct. they can, cause they can still be alive and like be able to open their eyes, but the way the disease operates, you know, they're still there in their brain mm-hmm. and they can hear you and understand, but it just makes them decline in like the way that they can communicate speaking and doing things on their own Mm -hmm. so um you know a week before um our dad passed I actually he had been transported from Atlanta to Rhode Island um to our grandmother's house and I went to visit him I think we all everybody went up there because we were kind of getting the word that he Mm -hmm. was getting close to that time right so everybody went and tried to see him one last time while he was still alive and when I went up there it was just me and him for that whole day I only went up there for a day or two Mm -hmm. no I went for a day I slept over and the next day I flew home but um he had only been there like a week and the decline was like crazy in the time like when he left Atlanta I was there the day that he left and they were taking him on the train and stuff and he was still talking I mean he was in a wheelchair but he was still talking he was still able to you know kind of move his hands and stuff like that but a week later, by the time I went up there, I mean, he was, I don't think he really spoke that that entire day. And um, I kind of just spent the day, like, playing music for him and just trying to mm-hmm. let him know that I was there. It was um, worth it. And Definitely. I would definitely say that, um, you know, everybody's process is different, but I, I would recommend, not recommend, I would, like, I swear by this, you have to stay grounded in your faith. Um, you have to stay grounded in your faith no matter what, but I would, a lot of times people ask me what, what has carried you through. And I will definitely say, like you said, talking, talking with that person and really cherishing those yeah, moments and those memories. Anything you guys need to heal. That's important. Yeah. And not having any regrets. Like I, I had the same conversation Valentine's day. My dad passed in March. So Valentine's day was a month prior in February. And I had, I remember going to see him. Um, in Rhode Island as well. And I just told him, I was like, Hey, I want you to know you are a phenomenal dad. You gave us everything you had. You were not perfect, but you were present and you were impactful in our lives. And we are the women we are today because we had you as a father and it really molded us and made us into who we are. And even though this whole situation is going to forever change our lives we will always be able to bounce back because we have those tools to do so. Like right. we know who we are. My dad was very big on affirming us and letting us know who we were. Yeah. You're an Oliveira. That means something. That's him. You're my daughter. No, this is what he always be. You're Kevin Oliveira's daughter and you don't ever let like, nobody talk. Right. You're like, <laughs> who was Kevin Oliveira? But he but knew then, who he was. Yeah, but he knew he who was he like, was. I'm that guy, period. And, and I respect that energy. I was telling Lorel the other day that um, I don't think I ever really felt like I was like my dad personality-wise. I mm-hmm. felt like Lorel was more like our dad. I was more like my mom in certain areas. I knew that like artistically I got a lot of things from my dad, but I never felt like my personality was like his. Mm-hmm. And now... I mean, I, we were already, like, independent on our own. But, like, now you're really out here, right? Because, like, if I don't succeed, I, I can't really go back to my mom's house and my dad ain't here. So I got to make it work. So now that I'm out here really having to navigate spaces, I'm like, 
I am literally this man. Like I'm literally walking around here and doing stuff mm-hmm. and saying stuff and walking in like having the essence, his same phrases having his same stuff. phrases in black in the color world. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that was you know, it's like who am saying. I? But you you tap. It's like you have a, a arsenal of tools mm-hmm. that I never really had to tap into that because he was here. So right. he kind of could he did it for me. He was right. able to you know show up for me in in those type of spaces and yep. be him. And I just got the grace of that was my dad. Yep. Now that he's not here, it's like I got to pull the tools out of the bag. And I didn't even know that I even had that. Yep. And I feel so natural. You know, I um, got to do a big makeup job last week. And it was like a full day, like 12-hour day with, you know, executives and producers. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I called Laurel like, yo, I don't know what got into me today. <laughs> that spirit jumped out. The spirit jumped out, okay? <laughs> and I was just like everywhere in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm going on set. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be on set, but I'm acting like I'm supposed to be there. And I'm talking to the camera people. And, like, the things that were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, okay. And it's an air of confidence. Yeah, and for sure. And that's why it's so important to, like imprint that on your kids like because you don't even realize you know we didn't realize like like you said earlier it was just our dad so a lot of times when he's doing all that knacking and tacking it's like <laughs> you're getting on my nerves safari but <laughs> you're getting on I'm my upset. nerves but you you appreciate it when they're no longer here you have all of that in you like it was it was drilled in us and all it just the told time. you not to be scared like yeah like you can't scare like, you don't make no money I'm, I'm not scared like you might be nervous you might be nervous now i have stuff. now i'm about to <laughs> tell this real quick so you could just get some perspective so our dad was really big on pushing us toward our dreams again mm-hmm. how we even launched the podcast and so one particular year we were working at the soul train awards in las vegas because we would work behind the scenes on a lot of shows mm-hmm. as uh, with the talent department and stuff like that so we got our friends together um, we got them on board we got them jobs working at the soul train awards and my dad was like he was gonna drive us to the airport and everything so at the time he was managing gladys nice chicken and waffles here in atlanta he was like the marketing manager there so he would always be bringing home free chicken like and mad chicken. <laughs> mad chicken and he was like do y'all have food when y'all going on the plane because y'all know airport food is expensive and this man ziplocked <laughs> mad bags and bags of, of chicken. Of, of, Put this of, in your suitcase. We're like, of oh, Gladys Knight God. Chicken from Gladys Knight Chicken. And we're, we're, us and our friends, you know, we're like, they like, okay, Mr. Kev, thank you, Mr. Thank Kev, you. for the chicken. We're going to take it. We're thinking we're never going to eat this chicken, but, you know, whatever, we take it. He takes us to the airport. Yo, we're on the plane. We're like, going, got, who got the bag? Who got the bag with, with the chicken, chicken in it? Because we were so that, hungry. We were like, dang, that yo, came in clutch. That that Las Vegas flight was like four hours, and that chicken came in handy. And so that's just how he was. Like he was just, um, he was just dynamic. And um, you know, you just don't replace people like that. And I know this episode is gonna be a little bit heavier than our normal. Um, you know, episode, but yeah. we have to give, we have to pay homage and give credit to where credit is Kevin due. Joseph Oliver, our father, who was Period. the media savant. Like he, what's a savant? That just means like, like a mogul, like a, like a. Como se dice? I never heard savant. It reminds yeah, like me of so, Buffon. <laughs> no, savant means like you're an expert, like you. You're experienced in this area. Savant. Wait, Savant. How you spell it? I think it's S A V A N T. Savant. I'm a savant. <laughs> I'm a savant. <laughs> <Classic. laughs> <laughs> 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 
I'm a savage. bougie ashy. <laughs> You don't want to be ashy, child. But he but, is definitely an inspiration for us. For, for sure. who for not only inspiration, but like he cultivated who we yeah. who we are. Like unknowingly. We, unbeknownst unknowing, to us. Unbeknownst yeah. to us and, and with much resistance. I'm talking about <laughs> resistance. I'm talking about buku, buku, buku resistance. <laughs> it wasn't but, given what it needed to give. But, but he it kicked in. You I'm so I he couldn't have been replaced. For sure. And, you know, it for me, it's like a sour grape because I know that there's so many things that God has in store for me, for my life, for our mm-hmm. lives, that he's not going to be out here to physically experience. You know, like he just just shy of making it to Laurel's wedding and stuff Definitely. like that. So, you and know. also one thing that he would say that I'm that I'm going to take a moment and say is that give your life to Christ. He would go into the Waffle House with a Bible and be like, so who not saved in here? Like yeah. he would, that was who I remember after he passed away, we went to the bank um, to handle some business. And the ladies at the bank were like, we love Kevin. He always used to come in here and pray with us. And he always used to come in here and, you know, with his Bible and have Bible study with us. And so what I've taken from that is you never know when your time is. And we all have to leave this earth. And, to me, it really showed like he really came on this earth with a purpose. Like once he gave his life to Christ, it was like everybody that I come in contact with is going to know that I love Jesus yeah. Christ. And I'm going to try to impart that in them so that when they leave this earth, they too can go to heaven and experience eternal right. life. And so for me, I felt like not only did this particular situation expose how much faith I had or needed to have, like the level I need to step my faith game up, but it also showed me like, Every opportunity you have to share the gospel with somebody else, you need to take it. Sure. And and <clears throat> lastly, I'll say on that part, um, it's important to really know what the Bible says for yourself because that whole situation was so painful that it was like I could I would tell Greg all the time. I understand now how people get hooked on substances and. alcoholism and things like that because you're in so much internal pain that you're just like i it's human nature to to want to know to have a a, to need an outlet when you're Mm -hmm. going through stuff like that so you know i think the best thing our parents did for us was giving us jesus was giving us god and and a foundation because you know you can go to that Mm -hmm. and if we didn't have that it's your human nature. Like you're not meant to deal with these type of things by yourself. And so people, people don't have that option or they feel like they, they're not conditioned to have that option of spirituality. So now it's the drugs and now it's the alcohol. Now it's being promiscuous and you know, different things. Yeah. The mm -mm. girls are giving witchcraft these days. (laughs) The girls are giving zodiac signs. Yeah. You know, y'all gotta be careful with these crystals. The crystals, the girls are giving, (laughs) Yeah, I gotta be and careful I'm, with these girls. Let, let me just say, I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. What yeah. I, all I'm saying is this. <laughs> the girls are giving wit to And I can't. That's a lot of blame. I can't the poor. <laughs> I just, I really feel like, I'm telling you, when you are going through such a trying time like that, mm. we're all going to experience the ugliness of death in some f- form Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's an unfortunate reality. But... What I can say is that 
when this was going on, I was very upset with God. I was like, God, now what's now see? Because the Bible said <laughs> now wait now now, what, now what verse was it when you said? Let said, me find it. Because I'm skimming through the but I'm searching. Because you said you were gonna heal Job and you restored him. So what happened? I'm talking about. I was pulling up. I'm like, Lord, you healed the lepers. Oh, the lepers Lord. got healed. The blind got healed. The people, the the spirit was cast out what? into the pig. Go, going back to what you said. What's going on? Going back to what, what's going on? Not the pigs. Leave the pigs out of it. Leave the swine out of it. What's going on? With, no, he cast the demon out and he went to the pigs. But this is the thing too. See how God do. You see. You see you how he me off track. You see how he do. me off track. <laughs> I'm just quoting the word now. But. Something interesting that mom actually said, which kind of, mm. you know, blew me away, too. It was like, you know, you have to really have an understanding of what your purpose is, too. Because mm-hmm. sometimes God will give you a vision and a plan, but that's not the end game. It's what you're going to do along the way that's mm-hmm. your purpose. Mm-hmm. You think that getting to that place and to that point, that's going to be like, oh, my purpose is it has been reached. And I've, you know, but mm-hmm. no, it's like. Because you're determined to get to that purpose and the things that you're going to do and the people that you're going to touch along the way, maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. And I feel like mm-hmm. for our dad, he did mm-hmm. so much with his life. Like there's there's a closet in my house here that has like almost his whole life. Like, Mine too. It's mad stuff. He has yeah. all types of scripts and degrees, news articles child. and degrees. The degrees and, was thick and I'm trying to understand. But I also think that in all his accomplishments and the things that he wanted to do in his life, you know, the journey, the places he went, the people mm-hmm. that he touched, he experienced that touched him mm-hmm. and that gave him, you know, the drive to become born again, to try to be a better father, having us as his kids, that in and of itself was the purpose. Yeah. That was God's that plan. That was the ministry. That was so. the ministry. And yeah. so. That'll preach my, my, my. But us being here, us still being here and being like his legacy and his lineage the purpose is continuing because there was a seed imparted on us that we can take what we've learned from him and our relationship with him. And Mm -hmm. now we're still touching people and now we're still doing things and it's, it's, it's still going on. So, and you know, it's hard, it's hard to deal with. It's hard to not be resentful. I don't have any kids yet. I'm the only one that doesn't have kids. Mm -hmm. I'm not married. You know, I have a wonderful person in my life that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm finna pull up to the store right now. Just pay the rest. Where's the day? Don't be in Rashad business. And I'm going to have to skin on the microphone and say, don't be in Rashad business. Where's that? That's Rashad's business. And I don't have nothing to do with you. But anyway. It don't got nothing to do with you. I haven't really. The mm-hmm. milestones that you think about in your life. Move it. The milestones that you think about happening in your life that, that are regular things that, that are supposed to occur haven't happened for me yet. And my dad isn't here. So I have to swallow that. And that's like been a part of my healing process. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. with Laurel, you know, I know you're going to speak on your own situation, but it's like, you know, getting married. She just had a son, my, our nephew. It's like, don't tell my business. I want to tell the people. I just had a son. I just had a baby. He's he's three months old. But it hurts. It's something that, you know, every time you celebrate a win and something good happens almost immediately after you're like, dang, Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's going to be bittersweet like that, I think, for the rest of my days. But you hope that as you begin to heal, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit easier to and deal I with. And I think part of part of the art of resilience, too, is also keeping the eternal perspective. And that's something that I always, t- like, really tell myself. Because when you get into the flesh, your flesh kind of makes you be like, dang, I miss him. Dang, I, 
you know, I, I wish that he were here and those type of things, which is a normal human feeling because right. it's human nature. Right. But that's where the eternal perspective comes in because if you're looking at it from that perspective, you're like, okay, this person's spirit is always with me. They're right. always watching over me. You know, when you think about, okay, I want to go to heaven. My dad is somewhere that I want to go to. I, I want to, that's what we aim to achieve. When we leave this life, we want to live on in heaven right. and worship God eternally. So... When I think about that, I'm like, man, my dude made it in. He made it in the pearly gates. Like, that's something. It makes me want to celebrate. He's talking Martin Luther King head off. Okay? I'm talking about him, Malcolm <laughs> and, 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 and MLK. They like Big Kev. Kev, Big come, Kev. On, come, on, come on. I'm going to go to my mansion on the hill. I had a dream that you could go sit over there. <laughs> <laughs> Big Kev, I'm going to go to the mansion on the hill and I'm going to be back. Right. And we can I'm going to be doing this tomorrow. I'm going to be right back. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that that it makes you want to celebrate. Like, yo, I'm so happy for you, um, you know. And we're gonna move on because I want to get to, you know. But um, I, I just think about the day, the actual day that he passed away. I was actually there, and everybody else came the next day. So I was actually in Rhode Island, and I remember him being in my grandmother's house. He had already passed. He had passed right before I landed unfortunately and I remember when I looked at him I just kept saying to him I'm so happy for you like I that's all I could say I could I was repeating it over and over again and I, and I was just looking at him and like tears were just dropping on his face but I, I just, think that's that, that's like a profound perspective to have right after that it, I don't think it, I would say that I'd be like daddy why <laughs> why 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 I'm so, I'm so happy for I you I mean it was but that's the thing but that's, that's how God I works too I felt like too. the Holy Spirit took over my body and took over my mind because yeah. my response was not what I thought it would be. Right. I, I felt, well, first of all, when I walked in the house, I felt like I, like the, I almost passed out. My mom caught me. Shout out. My mom is the greatest. She <laughs> caught me. She is. She's the goat because nobody else in the house was checking for me. And this is, I'm going to make this funny, but it wasn't funny at the time. But <laughs> I was like, there was a nurse in the house and I hope you're watching. I hope you're listening oh, to this. Lord, I hope you're nurse. listening but it was a nurse there from hospice. And when I was about to fall down, she pushed me off of her and was like, ah, who is this falling? Like, it was like that. It wasn't like anybody had any kind of compassion for how nah. um, <laughs> she pushed me. Like, she was like, get off me. No lie. She looked so disturbed that I Ma'am, felt. Ma'am, identify yourself right now. Yeah, she needs to. She needs to <laughs> log into the comments and into the chat and take a, she needs to take account for what happened. But she pushed me or whatever. And my mom caught me and she was like, she was like holding me up. She's like, Laurel, it's okay. She's like, I'm right here. I'm, I'm holding you. Her and my aunt, Kim's mom, my cousin Kim, her, her mom is the greatest as well. I love her so much. My auntie Nett. And they both were like holding me up. And so finally, um, I went in the room to see him. And I just remember telling him, like, I was like, yo, I'm so happy for you. And I was saying it in tears and like, you know, incredibly emotional. But I was genuinely like, man, this man spent 55 years on earth talking about how it was important to get to heaven and how that was the ultimate goal to touch lives and then go on to heaven and then to actually go to heaven. I know he's in heaven. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I just felt like, yo, I'm so happy for you. And I want to get to that place and see you again. And I didn't expect to have that type of reaction either, but, um, I do. And whenever I get heavy hearted, I often just take a moment and I sit and I'm like, you know what? I, I say it out loud. I'm like, dad, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have experienced you. You know, it's like Nipsey Hussle says, mm -hmm. like, 
you know, we, we get to experience people. We, we experience people and then they move on to another life. So anyway. Well, I want to be experienced for eternity because let me tell you something. You want us to put you on an urn or something? No, but you can. You can. <laughs> Don't em- put me no You can embalm me. Huh? You can embalm me. And stuff you, have you stuffed? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's giving ignorance. It's <laughs> giving. I, 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 ignorant. My relationship with God is, is intact and mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm very spiritual, but the concept of death to me, yeah. it, it's something that my brain can't compute. Yeah, like, same. I just can't, and and Mm -hmm. I went through, that's the whole reason why, going back to my MRI, okay, that's the whole reason why I was getting an MRI on my brain last year, because I started to develop such an anxiety Mm. about death and my own, like, demise, that any small thing, (laughs) yeah, you're inevitable, uh, (laughs) dirt now, what you know what I'm saying, I I developed such an anxiety about it, like, PTSD, that y'all, I'm telling you, every little thing that was wrong with me, Same. I was going to the emergency room, and I was going. I had a neurologist, I had an orthopedic what, you got surgeon, hypochondriac. Yeah, <laughs> and literally, my neurologist, yeah. she came in and closed the door, and she handed me a paper saying that I needed um, therapy, yeah, and told me that she was real. like, you know, you're 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 from the passing of your dad, you have PTSD. She was like, you've come to me seven times in the past month, and there's been nothing wrong. <laughs> And she's like, I'm I'm neurology. She's probably thinking like, there's real people yeah, that have real stuff going on, and you've come in this office seven and you're times. Running up the insurance and, bill, and you paid for an eight hundred and fifty seven dollar MRI that was not covered. There <laughs> <laughs> was nothing happening. Not that it wasn't covered. You had out of pocket no expense. <laughs> She was really coming in there saying, she was, ma'am. She was, was showing me all the, the she had a paper showing me all the times I came in, what we discussed. It's accumulating. And so That's she um, suggested that I go to therapy because Ooh. she was saying like, it's a real thing. Like people who experience something like this. And she was like, you know, the fact that he died so quickly after you guys found out. Now I'm like, what if I don't get this check? And then next thing you know, yep, I was tomorrow I'm gone because I had a lump on my finger and, you know, it was <laughs> trichomoniasis or whatever. And I never got it checked. <laughs> and green gang. <laughs> green gang. And I never got it checked yeah. and now I'm gone. So it really, for like a year, I was in somebody's doctor's office almost every week. Yeah. Every other day. For sure. And that's like the effects, the un the unknown effects of like grief and how like you your body tries to self preserve. And for me, that's what I was doing. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really traumatized by what happened and it made death so in your face. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, like you know, you know, you're gonna have to die in theory. But now like it's like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to die. Look at my fingers, my fingers gonna be gone. My eyeball, my eyeball finna be decaying. It's, it's really good. You know what I'm saying? And you just start thinking you about. No <laughs> you have no coverage. The bill. You, you got no life insurance. You got no life It just made it so real. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard to deal with. And, yeah. you know, I used to tell my boyfriend when we first started dating, we dated right after, started dating right after my dad passed. And I was telling him, like, you know, it's hard for me to even look at you and know that, like, one day, mm-hmm. like, you're going to be dead yeah. and I'm going to be dead. All right, this is getting heavy. It's getting heavy. <laughs> okay, I'm done. getting too heavy. So, yes, with that being said, let's transition real quick to something a little lighter. 
Um, well, I just I'll, I'll add in here shameless plug in Jesus name. <laughs> I um I wrote a book during this time, really right, really after uh, my dad passed, but it was published in. 2020 during quarantine um quarantine was hard i know for a lot of people that had lost lost loved ones and yeah. to have to sit in that solitude but anyway i wrote a book it's called if grief could talk it's on amazon um it is a collection of poems just uh speaking from the heart and trying to verbalize what it means to be going through grief um it's called if grief could talk you type it right in on amazon you can get it today uh share it with a family member friend yes gift it to someone but it's truly from my heart it was something that i would wake up and um just write in the middle of the night if i couldn't sleep um and and just put words to such a heavy feeling so go check that out uh let me know what you think make sure you're following each of us on instagram so you can you know converse with us about on this episode and every episode. Um, and I want to transition into the art of gratitude because that's a little bit uh, more lighthearted and it just speaks to what we're grateful for um, in this in this space and in this season. And I'll first start by saying that I'm very grateful for my community of friends at from FAMU, um, Florida A&M University, um, because during that time and still, they supported our family tremendously. And I yes. remember putting up a social media post and saying, hey, we just moved into this house. We're trying to bring our dad home from the hospital. We need helping hands for people to come paint and help us um, just get the house ready for him. We actually did his room very nice. Um, I'll show some photos and clips from that. And people came from all over to help us paint and um, do the floors hang stuff up, move his hospital bed in because we had to put him in a hospital bed. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful yes. for community and network. Um, I'm also incredibly grateful for, like I said before, our mom, first and foremost, Rosemary Oliveira, because she did not get her flowers throughout this whole At thing. All. And she was very, she was discredited um, for the things that she did to save my dad's life or to preserve it for what it was by finding out what was going on with him, yes. um, advocating for him while he was in the hospital. Real quick, not to get off topic, but when my dad first got in the hospital, he had a roommate who was an older gentleman. And who was pooping who on was himself pooping purposely, on himself. trying to punish the nurses. Yes, he was so mad because the nurses <clears throat> wouldn't respond to him like right when he wanted to, so exactly. he would intentionally poop on himself, and my dad, like the whole room would be smelling. Oh my up. god! And people, we would come visit to see my dad, and the man would be yelling and stuff. And so my mom stepped in and was like, "Hey, he needs his own room. This is a very stressful uh, thing that he's dealing with, yeah. and this man is adding to the stress. Oh my god! And it needs to be <laughs> shut that man was down. suffering with mental illness. Yes, or something. it was, he was going much. through something. But it was just things like that where she really stepped in. And made sure that he was good. Even getting the house, she put, she got the house. She was working all day long and would come home and bathe my dad and make sure that he had food and different things. And his like entire that. So hospital stay, my mom went there every single every day. day. Uh, and then, and then, if he wanted something, like if he one day he was like, "I really want oxtails," and my mom went home. She went and got oxtail. You know, oxtails is expensive. First of all, uh, nine ninety nine a pound. Okay, mm. now they went up to thirteen dollars a pound. <gasps> At yes. the farmer's market? $13 a pound. No. Churchin dollars a pound. So anyway, he wanted that. <laughs> My mom that. would like cook it and bring it for him and stuff. So I just want to say, it's, 
Oxtails is $13 a pound. No, I, I had to look at Rashad. Rashad's like, wow. Whoever we need to talk to about that. You need to write a letter. It's giving inflation. Yeah. And I'm here to say. Are they running out of oxes? Excuse me? <laughs> is there a shortage? Is there a shortage on the oxen? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I don't, I don't know, on. but... Anyway, so what's your art of the gra- art of gratitude? Like, who would you well say, art of gratitude? Um, just uh, helping us get it, get to this point. Um, going back to like the whole time when Dad was passing, um, all of our friends that stepped in financially to help get our Definitely. siblings to the funeral. Oh my God! Yes, yes we had yes. so many people that mm-hmm. donated. Um, one of our my good coworkers. friends, Big Tigger, yes. you know, sent some a lot of money for us to make Shout sure that our Bucko. our other siblings um, mm-hmm. were able to make it to Rhode Island. It was just a, a super tough time. Um, I'm I'm also gracious and have a lot of thanks to give to our dad's mentee. His name is Solomon. Oh my God! Yes, um, who really yeah. stepped in? Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's nothing but girls. So. You know, we needed like some men on deck and some hands on deck. And Mm -hmm. he always stepped in. If we ever needed him, he never hesitated. So thank you, Solomon, for the part you played in my dad's life. Um, It's giving him like that son figure that he always kind of wanted. But then when it really mattered, you didn't step away or shy away from like the responsibilities and where we needed help. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful um, to God to for his grace yeah yeah and giving us a spirit of of like we said of resilience and not giving up so easily on things Mm -hmm. and um knowing that his grace is going to carry us further and further and get us through you know we're still in the middle of the grief process so um i'm just grateful i'm grateful for you i'm I'm grateful grateful for for us coming back together and me too making a decision and saying that we're gonna you know, not only for dad, but for us too, you know, yeah. getting back to doing something that we love in honor of him. Yeah. And so I'm and grateful. And our listeners. I want to say I'm grateful to oh, our yes. listeners because you guys have Y'all are been... still streaming the first yes. season. And that was like, our last episode was December of 2017. And just pushing us and being like, hey, when's the episodes coming back out? When are the episodes coming back out? When are we going to hear you guys again? That really means a lot. And it really yeah. motivated us to really... Um, you know, do it. Shout out to our original producer, Slim, who is blowing up, by the way. Um, Slim still helps, too, because yes. when we decided we wanted to, you know, start over and, and go ahead with season two, he, anytime I reached out to him for any type of advice, I needed help with the setup, I needed, you know, yeah. help with the hard drive, whatever I needed, even though his his career is blossoming and he doesn't really yeah, have the time and the availability to help us as much as he did before. I know that if he had the time, he would. So yeah. I'm super, super to grateful to Slim and Kevin, because um, Kevin, yes, was Kevin was our little engineer. <laughs> our little Shout engineer out to in the back. The Broski Rashad who helped us get the setup. Mommy M. Started. That's how me and we're going to get into it on the next one. And shout mm-hmm. out to my husband, Greg Sherman, because he really be down for The me two and... closest people in our lives, yes, um, the support. Be... You know, we we buy my equipment and stuff. You know, we both we both dealt with situations <laughs> where you know you don't get that type of support from the person that you're with. So the yeah. the we'll freedom, that. yeah, but. the freedom to be able to to blossom is definitely something that we're both grateful for. Um, well, we just want to say um, the art of resilience. Whatever you're going through, you can bounce back from it. To be resilient means that you always, always, always find the strength to pull yourself up. Um, and that strength can come from anyone and anywhere. Um, but we are sitting here as living, breathing examples that 
you can be resilient and you can get back to your dreams, get back to you, get back to the things that you want to do. You know what I'm saying? And don't let anything dim your light and stop you from what you know that you can accomplish, no matter if it's as traumatizing as sickness and death. Um, it does not have to define the rest of your life. Yep. Um, and you don't have to feel like I'm never going to get back to me. You are. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'll I'll say like my therapist told me first of all get in therapy if you need it yeah and then also or you can go see Yala Van Zandt when she performs at the Fox because that <laughs> that really helps and really watching help. Ilyana really helps Ilyana really helps me Ilyana be getting people. and Dr. Not Phil and <laughs> Dr. Phil Dr. Phil does it too Dr. And, Phil and Judge Judy Dr. Phil be under some mm-hmm. real scrutiny Judge Judy really does it for me Judy Shala she Shindlin Shindlin Judith Shindlin this is your biggest fan right here she watched Just Judy like just, because she gives her, it to the girls. Like she don't play her hundredth season, and she leaves. <laughs> she be like, "Shut your mouth! I don't want." She makes it nine hundred million dollars a year. What? Yep. No, she don't. Off the TV. I swear to God, look it up. Nine hundred million, million a year. Million. But she's been on forever. So, anyways, um, closing thoughts. Why die now? You have plenty of time to die later. What? <laughs> No, 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 no. That is, no. What? That means don't kill yourself off from your dreams now while you're still alive. Right you have plenty fort. of time to die later. You know, it's the art of resilience. You have to keep pushing on through the trials and tribulations of life and don't let it kill you while you're still here. I don't like that. Why die now? You have plenty of time to die later. I don't like that. Where you picked that up from? You didn't do knacking and checking. Anyway, guys. Season one, I mean, season two is out here and we are going to be hitting you with episodes every single week. So make sure that you are every um, Thursday, guys, be on the lookout. Yes. Make sure um, you're subscribed. subscribed to Art of the Funny Girl podcast. Yes. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at just low two T's on the just for me and Lindsay underscore underscore Raina. Uh, Lindsay with an A-Y, not an E-Y. Underscore. underscore. It's, it's two, two underscores. <laughs> <laughs> We need to change that. Two underscores. We need like at the Lindsay Raina. Listen, I'm not. Or at. Underscore, underscore. <laughs> we also have a YouTube channel, guys. So if you're yes. either you're listening to you us in your us. car or you can watch us, you know, see what we look like. All right. Aloe vera out. Yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yay, yay.